You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. I am Noelle. I'm your host, and I'm here with Stephanie Ruper, my co-host of six plus years. We've been doing this podcast a long time and we still like each other. And that in and of itself is an amazing feat. This is episode number 338. And today we're going to be talking about inositol for fertility. We're going to pull that in from where we left off last time Steph and I were together. And we're also going to talk about letting go of macro counting when it's in your head and you don't want to do it anymore how to deal with problems focusing, and then food. So ideas for snacks and lunch, um, prepping for the kids, quick breakfast, ideas on the go. Got a lot of random stuff to talk about, so hopefully it's enjoyable. Uh, Before we get into the fun, if you struggle with blood sugar spikes and drops or experience symptoms of blood sugar dysregulation, maybe it's in your family, maybe you are dealing with personally dealing with like shakiness, um, hanger, you've got that 3 p.m. energy crash, you can benefit from specific nutrients that are known to support the stabilization of blood sugar metabolism like biotin, chromium, and alpha-lipoic acid. Many of your bodily functions, such as hunger and sleep and mood, are glucose-dependent, which means your optimal daily performance is reliant on balanced blood glucose. And many things can disrupt your blood sugar, including diet and stress and hormone imbalances. The good news is that there are some amazing natural nutrients that are great for improving blood sugar, and they can be found in Bioptimizer's Blood Sugar Breakthrough. So you guys know how much I love Magnesium Breakthrough. Uh, This is Blood Sugar Breakthrough, and it's basically a compound supplement that contains research-based ingredients that have been scientifically proven to optimize blood sugar levels. I just love a good compound supplement when when it's, you know, someone needs nourishment. It's not in place of these foundational lifestyle changes. It's a supplemental support that you can do that really helps improve blood sugar function and blood sugar management within your body while you're also working on these other root cause um, lifestyle changes. So it has chromium and biotin, which are key nutrients that support blood sugar metabolism and insulin protection production, and uh, berberine, which research suggests may improve insulin sensitivity. Uh, If you're struggling with blood sugar dysregulation or blood sugar issues, I highly recommend giving it a go. Go to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash wellfed to get our podcast community discount. You know, we always get the best deals. So we got your, we got you um, the hookup for you there. Bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash wellfed. So three words, B-L-O-O-D-S-U-G-A-R and then breakthrough, B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot health forward slash wellfed. Our code wellfed10 will get you an additional 10% off. Hello again, Stephanie. Hi. Hi. It's interesting because back in the day when you weren't at, um, when you weren't like at your college, school, university, what do you call it? <laughs> sure. It, yeah. That place, Oxford, right? That place. Oh, nobody's yep, really yep, heard yep. of it. Um, when you were there, you didn't have a lot of noise behind you when we were recording. But years I'm ago... So no, you, no, don't apologize. Years ago, there was always something going on. And yeah. I'm, it's, it's very heartwarming and welcoming to hear all the things going on in the background now. Okay, so I um, thank you. I can shut the windows, but it's, no. um, it's quite warm. And the airflow helps keep my nasal passages um, from <laughs> swelling. So, um, yeah, I can. Well, shut we the want your nasal passages you. to. Okay. To be, yeah, not not swelling. So I'm totally okay. good with it, and I okay. I love it. I think it's good. It's you and it's Steph and her element again, <laughs> watching the the sunset in Boston. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm excited for you. Are you? Thanks. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm good. Uh, still excited about mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Uh, am I 100% sure what I'm doing? No, but I'm excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> <laughs> so 
said I am on the way. I am on the way. I am discerning. I am in a period of discernment. I've been saying those words a lot over the last couple of months. Um, but it's all really good. Uh, it feels it feels good to be here. And I'm gonna um, I'm making a quick trip, um, quickish trip back um, to Michigan to see my family for a little bit. So um, I'm really looking forward to that too. So lots of good stuff. Oh, that's cool. So I had a random thought, and this is in our little discussion questions for today. What was your first job, or did you even have one before you went to school? Um, yeah, I've had a lot of jobs, but none. I've, I've never, <laughs> I never had, I never had a full time job. Um, I've had a lot of jobs, like while going to school, a bunch of part time jobs. Uh, I had, a, I had a few. Um, so I, my first job being employed by someone outside my family, like an employer, uh, was at Subway. And, uh, no. you yeah, worked at I'm Subway? Smiling, How old I'm were you? so big right now. Um, <laughs> I worked four hours at Subway and then I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> totally, oh no, I forgot. What a nice memory. Yeah. So, um, I, so I was uh, running track at the time, uh, and, you ran yeah. track? Well, I didn't know this either. Yeah, mid distance. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I wow. Ran track, um, in high school? Mm hmm. Yeah. And then I thought about it in college, but didn't. Wow. No, I only very briefly entertained the fact. I just did a lot of running. Okay. <laughs> in college. But um, yeah, right. in high school, I, did, I, ran, I ran track for like a year. Um, and I, I think I only did it one year. I did it when, in junior high school, too. Hmm. Anyway. I think, I think my memory, um, and, uh, something about the schedule, like didn't really work and I wasn't really enjoying it anyway. So I went on one day for a two hour shift, I think, and then went in another day for a two hour shift or maybe I, my first day was four, but anyway, I only worked four total hours at Subway and they were like, yeah, this isn't going to work out. And I was like, <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> You're not good at doing the sandwich here. So. Oh, I mean, apparently it was the scheduling. I think I was okay, but I don't know. It was funny. So and what was your first job? That is really funny. I'm not going to look at a subway the same. Just thinking about little stuff. So my first job, oddly enough, have I not talked about this? I don't, I feel like I did because I just, after six years, I'm like, how, was there anything else to talk about? Um, I actually worked at an ice cream shop Aww, <laughs> for, a, for a local farm. I think I was 15 and a half because that's when you can start working. So I've been working since the day I could start working, essentially. Um, it, there's a farm in Virginia Beach. So I grew up in the Virginia Beach area. There is a farm called Burgie's. And wait, is that right? Burgie's Dairy. I feel like I'm like, wait, is that like a national chain? No, that would be something else. Um, I don't know. That's Ben and Jerry's. So it's Burgie's Dairy. And they had a farm in my area where you could actually go and see the cows and see them be milked and stuff like that. So it was a very, it was what you did in high, you know, in, in whatever, junior high and grade school. And they had like a couple different locations where they would, they were the traditional deliver your milk in glass, you know, those big glass jars. And so people would come into the store and get the glass jars full of milk. So our job, was always to like stock the shelves with the milk and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, and then they had a ton of ice cream that they would make with their milk. The problem is the place like in the summer that it was like really janky and the air never worked. And so the ice cream was always melting. It was horrible. Um, I always felt bad giving people like soft, super soft ice cream. Um, and then they would like, People like around the the holidays because I worked there for quite some time. Around the holidays, they uh, they did pies and stuff like that, and people would just and they did eggnog, and it would get so packed in there, and then it would just like get really hot, and the ice cream would start melting again. They're closed now; they don't they don't exist anymore. But that's what I did. I used to bring home a lot of ice cream for my dad. Okay, so we have some questions. We have a question from uh, last week that we're going to cover, and then uh, we'll get into changing mindset around mac macros. So this one is, um, again, an older question, but I think it's a good topic for us to kind of discuss in here. So Inositol for fertility, who's tried it, results 
Uh, she said, I'd be really interested to hear either of your takes on this supplement specifically for women's reproductive health. I am nine months postpartum exclusively breastfeeding and have not yet regained my cycle, but I'm beginning to think about baby number two. My husband is significantly older than I am, so we prefer to have our next and likely last child sooner rather than later. Given that I plan to breastfeed as long as possible, Two years, I have been doing a ton of research on how to regain my period. One of the things I keep coming across is this supplement. It is marketed primarily as cellular, nervous system, and liver support, but from what I can tell, many women also use it to support fertility. Specifically, there's a lot of feedback about its positive effects on PCOS, as well as helping breastfeeding and or postpartum women regain their menstrual cycles. I do not have PCOS, but prior to my pregnancy, suffered from HA for seven years before chilling out on the cardio and gaining weight. Yes, that is how I found your podcast. In addition to a high everything diet, fat, carbs, protein, and calories, I am also starting to add in macros and inositol curious if anyone in this community has tried it and what your experiences were cool so um inositol is a naturally occurring compound in fruits and vegetables um interesting enough interestingly enough right you can read that i have read that uh in a typical diet you would consume maybe around one gram a day but i don't know how many vegetables uh, everybody you know, surveyed in, in, in the USA context would be eating. And so uh, you may actually consume more than that if you eat a higher quantity uh, of fruits and vegetables. And uh, when people are looking to uh, supplement with inositol, they look at doses around four grams a day. It's often coupled with folic acid. Um, and uh, I know it's been trialed with some other things, but I'm less familiar. Um, so I'm very interested in uh, inositol as a supplement because uh, people do consume grams of it a day and then may supplement with it to try to get to grams a day or to get to a higher number of grams a day. Um, it's basically a fiber, you know, and so a lot of the talk about how important, how good fiber is for you, this is a part of that. It's not the only reason, but it does um, play a role. Uh, and this is a kind of a part of how there is associations with higher fiber diets. This inositol um, is correlated with uh, reducing incidences of, of colon cancer and diabetes. To the best of my knowledge, um, it's it's quite limited so far as expertise in this could go. Um, so that being said, uh, one thing that inositol does is uh, help modulate insulin and glucose metabolism. Uh, but the mechanism by which this happens is not like 100% understood, uh, but it does help uh, with this sort of by simply increasing the amount of inositol, which helps it uh, get in um, and reabsorbed through the kidneys. So I have a similar feeling about inositol as I do to metformin, except slightly, except better to inositol because it's naturally occurring and we often eat it anyway. Um, so metformin is often used to to approach PCS, PCOS uh, because it helps modulate insulin sensitivity and, and glucose, and therefore helps with PCOS because those two things um, do tend to cause PCOS type symptoms. Um, and inositol also helps with modulating glucose and theref- and insulin and therefore has a downstream effect on PCOS. And we see a ton of improvement in hormonal markers um, in PCOS in some limited studies that have been done on this. Um, it's supplementing with uh, inositol and folic acid uh, seems to uh, increase ovulation, decreased testosterone, increased progesterone, like these are things that we're looking for to try to help with PCOS. So inositol can be great. That being said, uh, it is it is one thing that has a very specific effect. It isn't necessarily addressing the underlying problems that any kind of underlying problems that may be leading to insulin resistance uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, and 
so far as I can tell, uh, so far as supplements go, it's reasonably innocuous. It doesn't seem to uh, have a ton of negative side effects. And so for something you're going to try to see if it helps, uh, you could do a whole lot worse. Uh, but that being said, I would definitely take a still take a much broader approach in terms of attempting to address the underlying issues leading to PCOS. Um, there are multiple different pathways by which PCOS can become a thing. Um, the one, the most popular one, is the one associated with insulin resistance. And in in my long uh, long ago, in my in my long ago and long work uh, with PCOS, uh, called this type one uh, because it was very. Um, because it's the most common, but PCOS can also be influenced by, for example, stress, by undereating, uh, by restriction, by overexercising. It can come about that way. And the thyroid can play a role. So hyperthyroidism, um, I often identified with type 3 PCOS, the stuff about stress and restriction I identified as type 2. And of course, you can, you know, have various influences from all the categories. It's not, there's no strict boundaries, but, um, but it's very important to understand that PCOS can be influenced by a number of different things and have a lot of underlying causes. And so taking a supplement um, can definitely help with uh, the symptoms you experience and can help with fertility, perhaps. I mean, it's a possibility. Um, but I wouldn't bank on it as the as the only thing. I would I, w- I would personally do a, a much uh, a bigger umbrella strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that after all the the research that I did on this, it again, like Stephanie was saying, it is a it's a simple like a sugar alcohol, and it's, some people refer to it as vitamin B eight. Um, and there are a lot of studies on it, and I think that they are promising. Uh, what functional medicine practitioners like Laura Bryden and Dr. Jolene Brighton? So we've I've interviewed both of them on this podcast, talking just about hormones in general and recovering your period and basically anything that involves your period hormones and health. Um, They recommend using inositol for PCOS because it improves insulin sensitivity, which is a big driver of some people who have PCOS. It's kind of the underlying root cause. Um, And also it seems to reduce androgens. That doesn't mean, though, that you take inositol for your PCOS and it magically disappears. Rather, it's supplemental support that can be done of topping on, on top of working on all these other pieces and root causes. So I think that there was the, there was like some, it might have been a, a comprehensive study. It was like a review article in 2016 that looked at a lot of randomized controlled trials of myoincetol and then D-chiroincetol, which are the two kind of main forms that are looked at when we're talking about the literature. Um, and it showed that myoincetol alone helps to improve insulin sensitivity and also supports normal follicle development. It seems to do that by reducing androgens and then, of course, improving the insulin sensitivity, which is why it is typically recommended for PCOS in general. The role of the D-chiro inositol is a little bit more controversial, but again, some of the studies looking at the review articles suggest that the myo-inositol and then the D-chiro inositol in a, like, physiological ratio of about 40 to 1 um, may quickly restore normal hormonal and metabolic parameters, um, at least in those that have like been diagnosed with PCOS and they have this sort of insulin resistant PCOS type as Stephanie was talking about. So I think that if you have PCOS supplementing with things like magnesium and berberine and inositol can help regulate blood sugar. I think it can help relieve symptoms. It's great to do as like a supplemental support on top of that. I could not find any (laughs) evidence of it being helpful for hypothalamic amenorrhea. And given what we know about HA, which is, you know, the lack of a period, you're not getting your period because your hypothalamus, so your brain's hormone command center, has stopped producing a hormone required for menstruation because there is a high amount of physical and emotional stress and or there's this imbalance in energy. So too much going out, not enough coming in. Um, since we know that about hypothalamic amenorrhea, I would focus on reducing the emotional stress, eating enough, and doing restorative exercising. We get this question a lot about getting your period back, especially postpartum. 
Nine months postpartum is very normal not to have your period yet. It is very normal not to be moving towards the direction of, of having another baby, although it happens and it happens, you know, a lot. Your body still needs time to restore nutrient levels, energy, all the things. Uh, pregnancy is very depleting. And in traditional cultures, they would intentionally pregnancy space to give mom's body time to recover, time to regain nutrients, time to regain energy, especially if you're breastfeeding, you still have it really just going out. And so the idea is not how can I force my body into having a period again so that I can get pregnant and force my body into ovulating. It's how can I nourish my body, restore it with everything that it, like restore all the nutrients that, that have been lost so that when I want to move forward with future pregnancies, my body is ready, my hormones are balanced, I have sufficient progesterone, and I am not under a lot of stress, and I have plenty of energy, and my brain is, is you know, ready and, and initiating ovulation healthfully. So I think sometimes when we force our body into these circumstances, it's not like it's going to, it, it doesn't end well. Um, we then get into situations like, well, now where's, you know, my, I'm not making enough progesterone or am I really ovulating? Just a presence of a period is, doesn't actually mean that you're ovulating. And just because you're ovulating doesn't mean that your body is going to get pregnant. So we have to, and carry a pregnancy. So I think we have to be very intentional with, um, especially if you've dealt with hypothalamic amenorrhea or PCOS in the past before you had kids, your body's going to be predisposed to that. It's just going to happen. Um, and that's okay. You know, I think we all have different body responds to stresses and stressors and, pregnancy is a stressor <laughs> and it's a lot to go through. And so your your body's going to be more predisposed to deal with those things again. And you may take a little bit longer to get your period back, but it's totally normal. And 50% of women don't get it back till after 12 months if they're breastfeeding. So give your body the time it needs a little bit of extra, you know, a few extra months to, to take in all the nutrients, restore your health and prepare your body. I just want to take a moment to remind you to go ahead and put on your Blue Blocks glasses. In the last few weeks, there have been days where I don't realize I'm not wearing my blue light blocking glasses while looking at screens. And if I don't have them on while just doing normal stuff, like working on my computer, my phone, and then at night watching a show with the kids, I am a disaster. I have horrible eye strain, headaches, nausea, and trouble sleeping. This is because blue Blue light is incredibly stimulating and can negatively impact your circadian rhythms. In 2021, I firmly believe proactively filtering out blue light with Blue Block's computer and their Sleep Plus glasses is an absolute necessity. The Blue Block's computer glasses filter out all the harsh blue light we experience when looking at our screens. They're clear, they don't have a color. And then the Sleep Plus glasses block all blue and green light between 400 nanometers to 550 nanometers, which is the exact range that has been shown in clinical trials to disrupt melatonin and negatively impact our sleep. To get our special 15% discount, go to blueblocks.com slash wellfed. That's blueblocks, so B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash wellfed. And then our code is wellfed at checkout. These glasses are super high quality. They are comfortable and they are stylish. I don't mind wearing them all day. I don't even realize I'm wearing them. I actually have three pairs because I'm extra, but I, I wanted a spare in case I lost mine, which has actually happened and it was awful. They were actually stuck in the couch cushions. Uh, I love the look of the frames. And if you need helping anything, anything out, just come over to our Well-Fed Women Holistic Health community on Facebook and I can help. Again, that's blueblocks.com slash well-fed. And then use our code WELLFED for 15% off and you'll get free shipping worldwide. That's that's my story. Anything else from you? No. Wonderful. Great. Got <laughs> Okay. I thought that was pretty thorough. <laughs> it was. It was good. Well, you were talking and then it was like jumpy and then we stopped and 
So I thought you had, were you trying to tell me that it was clear for you? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Um, I was just expecting you to say something, but I get it. Okay, so we had to restart for a second. Okay, question number two is from Jody. Tips for changing mindset from macros, leaning out, strength gains, muscle gains, etc. to a healthy focus and balance. It's hard to deal mentally with clothes getting tighter and gaining a bit more body fat, even though I know I am healthier and not being as lean as I was. I struggle with autoimmune disease and hormone imbalance, and I'm sure a lot of it came from working out too hard, not enough sleep, and being too lean. Read Chronic Calorie Restriction. I never competed, but people often thought I did. Uh, I am a, a healthy weight. I just, it's hard to let go of wanting to that super lean look. Um. So one thing I want to say before, before diving into the other things um, is that autoimmune disease and hormone imbalance, you know, we do, we talk a lot on this podcast about um, how working out a lot, not sleeping enough, uh, having very low body fat percentages can be a, a stress on the body because you're not getting enough calories. And calories is one thing that I think about when I think about nutrition. Like you need to be nourished by calories, period. Like you need, we need food. Um, but also, uh, the more or less you eat, the the more or fewer uh, nutrients you get, right? And so, one thing that I think is really important for all of us to think about when we are trying to decide how much to eat is, do I do I want more nutrients? You know, we tend to think, well, oh, okay, maybe I really want that super lean, whatever, what have you look. But at the same time, like feeding yourself is, is really good for you for a lot of reasons, <laughs> including that it opens up, you know, uh, helps you re-nourish yourself, especially if you have a history of under eating, you very well may have some nutrient deficiencies to make up for. I mean, I'm not saying that's necessarily the case, but it's it's very plausible. And so that's another thing for, you know, anybody to put in their pockets, to put in our pockets when we're thinking about, you know, reasons to, to eat. So A, um, B, um, Okay, so the fundamental deconstructionist question here is um, why? Why want that super lean look, right? Like why? What, what is it about that super lean look? Is it because a society tells us that that's like what a quote-unquote beautiful, ideal, etc. body is, successful body is? Uh, yes, that is, that is, that is why, um, for all of us. And you can have other reasons, right? Uh, but at the heart of it, you know, all different societies throughout time have had different kinds of standards for beauty. Uh, and many of them have included body fat. And that has just been how that was. And so it's, it's important to remember that we're very embedded. And one thing I recommend is um, I think about it in terms of like putting on a different pair of glasses, uh, like stepping into a different era, putting on a different pair of glasses and um, thinking about bodies just in a way that's removed, right? Doing it in a way that's different from the way that we've been told we need to do it. And of course, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll wait till I <laughs> wait till I get to that bit. But um yeah, so those those kinds of glasses are, I think, really, um, really quite important. Um, and also, like, our values are important, which brings me now to my second point, which is, like, do we need our bodies to be beautiful, right? So, um, on one hand, I, I personally like both. I like trying to hold space for both, but you, like, really don't have to hold on to it. <laughs> Um, these are just options, right? You can think of your body as beautiful in it's all of its varieties of shapes and sizes because it's the thing that's like, it's you. It's, it, it's the thing that you relate to, but it's also you. You are it and you are beautiful and you are constituted of physical matter as much as you are constituted of your thoughts and feelings. And in fact, they are very intertwined. And so uh, you are it and that's wonderful, right? And it it provides the basis for so many things. And there is a way, there is beauty in that, you know, um, aesthetic appeal. And you can frame it in that way. And at the same time, you also like can just be like, I don't care. Um, I don't have to. Uh, why? You know, why do we put so much pressure on ourselves to look anyway, right? Um, lean or otherwise. Um, so much of this, all of this 
that we do wrestling with our uh, feelings about our body and stuff. And I deeply apologize for <laughs> the um, the loud whirring in the background. Um, I'll, I'll shut the window for the next question. Construction. Um, <laughs> I deeply apologize. That's I deeply wonderful. apologize. I will shut the window after this question. But um, uh, we are so so tied to our identities you know when we're trying to think about our worth in the world and our love and our relationships and who we are and why we're here and what we're doing like all of this is about like our identity and we so much build the way that we look into our identity and this lean look is um about effort and working hard and uh triumphing and it's also about having you know, the resources to be able to work out a lot. And it's about, uh, it's competitive and that's just, that's a part, that's just, honestly, that's just a part of it. And that's, um, it's a part of that like mindset and the discipline and what you're sort of presenting in, in that way. Um, but our identities are also so much more than that. And you can craft your identity around a wide variety of values some of which may be related to the way your body looks or not, right? Um, at the end of the day, you know, and I, man, I, friends, women, like, I say this so much um, because it's so important for me. Like at the end of the day, my highest value is promoting love and empowerment amongst people. And, I don't want our bodies to factor into that. And I believe that so strongly wanting to set that kind of example, uh, that for other people and create that kind of environment for other people, uh, that, that helps me direct my attention elsewhere and to focus my energy towards, uh, it, you know, being pro-social, being good, being kind, being joyful or what have you. And so, uh, you know, and that's not to say that you can't be all of those wonderful things and have a body that looks any particular way, but rather like removing, taking a little bit of a step back from the specifics of how our bodies look in terms of our identity and focusing a little bit more on like our values and relationships and, you know, this stuff. So, um, oh, and of course, it's so, 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 so helpful to surround yourself with people who value like not this like surround yourself mm -hmm. with people who don't have conversations about bodies or they're like my friends and I we're like we don't not everybody but like a lot of my friend groups like we never comment on bodies other people's bodies our own bodies unless we're like having a discussion about the discourse around bodies then we'll talk about it but like um it's it's really really great to be around people who are just very affirming and and don't direct their you know attention to that and they definitely exist so um Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think I think your your inner circle is huge. And I know we can't always control our inner circle and family members because I have a lot of friends who have mother-in-laws or people in their lives who are very, you know, have deep-seated issues around food. That's not to say that anything's wrong with them or whatever, but it comes out, right? It comes out in family gatherings and stuff like that. And so that can be very triggering. And and if you have friends that are, or you're in a part of a culture, like I think a lot of, about the part of, of the cultures that I was a part of, especially right out of college, like CrossFit gyms and, you know, triathlon, the triathlon scene. And it was so focused. And even growing up with ballet and cheerleading, everything that I did was very focused on body size, body image, uh, you know, all that stuff. Not wasn't great for body image. And I think that that had a huge impact on me. And so if you're if you're in a culture that's constantly talking about counting macros and leaning out and strength gains and biohacking your fat loss, you're not going to be able to free yourself from the thinking and be able to get on the other side of it. And so I, I would just encourage you to think about who, what you're allowing in to your spirit and how that affects you. So when you listen to a podcast, when you are following somebody on Instagram, how do you feel after you interact with that person or that friend or that social media, you know, brand or whatever? And if you start to feel a little bit bad about yourself or you feel like you're, you have, you need more control or you're noticing that lean bodies are being praised and put on a pedestal or whatever more worthy, then remove yourself from that group. I will also say too, it's okay to 
you can exist in a space, and this is where I've kind of come to and accepted just as an adult, uh, you can you can exist in a space where it's okay to still not really love every part of your body and know that you could do things to change it and choose not to. <laughs> I think Steph and I have talked, we talked about this, you know, previously a while back, what, but we know the things that we could do to get to the super lean place that we were before. We know, we know how to, we know what starvation looks like. We know what calorie counting looks like. We know what it looks like to work out 24 seven. And subsequently, yeah, it's going to work temporarily. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't care about that. So it's okay to be able to look at the picture and say, I could choose to do that if I wanted to, and I don't want to because that's going to lead me down a path of unhappiness. It's going to deteriorate my health, and I don't want to spend my time doing that anymore. So I know what I can do, and I choose not to do that. And instead, for you, Jody, it's I choose to take care of my autoimmune disease and to make sure that my hormones are balanced and feel really good and healthy and not worry about, you know, top tricks for fat loss. It's just not not a part of the the life that I want to set up for myself. So anything else from you? No. Question number three is from Jennifer. How to deal with extreme lack of focus, attention, and motivation? Um, so I think, um, I think about this in terms of, of like three different categories or of approach, I would say. Um, the first is the mental or mindset bit, right? So um, how are we thinking about life? <laughs> like what what is our mindset in life? Um, because lack of focus, attention, and motivation can be related to your view of things. You know, what do you believe? Is life worth living? Why is it worth living? Do you have things that inspire you to get out of bed in the morning. I think it's, it's really important um, to actually intentionally engage these questions. And of course, uh, there are coping strategies involved with that, you know, because, for example, you can um, suffer one loss or a series of losses and feel down because, it feels like you're not really like getting a win. <laughs> uh, you know, like the phrase, like, when am I going to get a break? Can I catch a break? Some sort of uh, comes to mind and, and it can be easier to lose. You can, it can be e easier to lose motivation in those circumstances um, precisely because <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're like, I've had enough. <laughs> Just trying to protect you. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, it can be easy to lose uh, motivation precisely because the, you can develop an attitude of like, what's the point, right? And so sort of coaching yourself through those things, uh, shoring up beliefs that, you know, good days are around the corner or there's, a, I would, I would actually, I would put it in terms of like, there's always an ebb and flow of life or something I often say to my friends is there are seasons of ease and seasons of dis-ease. Uh, and that's, that's kind of that's how things go right and so um integrating those kinds of attitudes i think can be um quite important for for dealing with um you know lack of motivation and that sort of thing um the second uh bit that i would point to is um your environment and your circumstances right like if you're in a demoralizing job or relationship or whatever like perhaps that needs to change right um and so this is a bit where we where I think about accepting the things that I cannot change and changing the things that are hindering me that I can. Um, I think that that's a really quite important and um, can be really helpful um, for motivation. And this also uh, involves surrounding yourself with people who care um, about you and about life and about living and about doing it, you know, well and kindly and joyfully. Um, and so seeking out people who can do that um, can sort of buoy you, you know, they say, uh, we are often so much the people that we surround ourselves by, you know, some people will sometimes throw out a number like two or three or five or however many, but, um, 
it is it's very very real uh how strong it, even you know on a subconscious level uh, the people that we surround ourselves uh, influence us so um i throw that under uh, item number two and then the third is um the physical bit uh, because we are biochemical you know and uh there is so much uh, that can impact you on a biochemical level in terms of low energy lack of focus low motivation that sort of thing um and so uh, anti-inflammatory diet is so 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 helpful for this um and so this means fruits and vegetables and uh, animal products that are as um, naturally raised and that is, you know, uh, grass fed or wild caught as possible um, and including uh, nutrient dense foods, uh, fruits and vegetables, egg yolks, livers, um, livers, liver. Uh, and some of the things that I really, I so much, I love turmeric so much. And so I think it's so, so good. I eat it like raw, like turmeric root. I put it in salads and ginger as well. Um, and I also take it as a, as a supplement. Um, and, uh, those kinds of, uh, things can be um, really quite good for you in plenty of herbs and stuff. Um, anti-inflammatory, of course, um, alcohol can really impact, uh, your neurochemistry and your body's energy, and it can negatively impact your sleep. So pay attention to alcohol, pay attention to sleep in general. Um, coffee can be a great upper, but you can, you know, get dependent, you could come down, right? And so um, you want to watch that. Um, yeah, coffee, alcohol, sleep, food, stress. Um, I mean, basically everything. I mean, there's so much is involved in the way that we like feel, right? When you're asking a question about like lack of motivation, that's like, how am I feeling in any given moment? And it's huge. The list of things is literally everything. <laughs> but I broke it down into three different categories. So hopefully, hopefully that um, helps. And um, I will also say now that I'm talking about what a huge number of things you can do to tackle this. Um, and various, there are, of course, various supplements and things that one could try. Um, I will uh, say that uh, with struggling with motivation, sometimes it helps to break larger tasks into smaller tasks. And so um, it could be useful to take, you know, this huge set of things and say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to work on the physical bit or like, I'm going to focus on my job because I think that that's a toxic environment that might be influencing me. And I'm, then I'm going to see how I feel, or I'm going to, you know, target what you think might be um, prominent, might be a, like a, a significant factor in what you're dealing with, I would say. And then, um, sort of move move from there. That would be my approach anyway. Okay. Yeah, no, I like that because I think a lot of times when we're really struggling with motivation to do a certain task, sometimes it's just we want to lay around. But a lot of times it's because we're not getting enough rest. We're not getting enough downtime. We're not getting enough play. And so when we're going hard and we don't ever get a break, we struggle constantly to get ourselves motivated to keep doing and keep moving. And so that's important. That's an important self-awareness piece. Are you taking enough time to play, to be outside, to get good sunshine? Are you getting enough sleep? Because I can tell you, like, lack of sleep and being tired makes me want to do absolutely nothing. Um, and, you know, that's why a lot of times in, in the postpartum period, and I, I honor the fact that many women need a lot of time off and that's important but past that time i was still tired and didn't want to do anything even and i felt like i had to force myself to do things mostly because i wasn't sleeping and so i think that that we need that obviously has to be the foundation in terms of focusing i don't focus very well oddly enough but i can be very productive i will say i'm not a person who is a procrastinator i don't think you are either stephanie are you no, no, <laughs> I have. Um, it depends if if there's a need not to procrastinate. I will not. If I have like some loose time, you know what I mean? Yeah, then, uh, sure. Like I'm, I'll be shopping for bed frames, but like, <laughs> you know, so it depends. Right. So I, I think with things that I'm not interested in doing, it does help to have a little bit of procrastination in there because I'm much more focused and like I can get stuff done when I have a short amount of time to do it. 
And that happens more often than not now with kids because a lot of times I'm sort of getting things done last minute. But I will say I'm much more efficient, much more focused with my time when I have less time to do it. So that's something to consider as well. There's one supplement that I do think can help. Obviously, there are a lot of cognitive supplements out there. Uh, The only one that I have experimented with and like is Lion's Mane. There is a company called Four Sigmatic who have sponsored this podcast in the past, but um, I don't typically do a lot of drinking of my supplements, uh, but I did really like the Lion's Mane, which is... um, a supplemental mush, functional mushroom that is known to help with focus. So I think that you can sip on that before you really have to have like a a productive time. Also being very intentional with separating out your work time and like your work day and what you're doing. So we've all always, you know, heard the thing of like, do your hardest task first. And I typically do try to go by that, but I also try to be flexible with what I'm doing and make sure that whatever I'm feeling I should do in that moment, that's what I work on within reason, because I don't want to keep fighting myself and do the thing I hate first thing in the morning. It is true. In the morning, you have better focus and productivity and you have better motivation. And so sometimes it is it is helpful to knock out those things that you have to do then. But also if I'm feeling, of, you know, I'm vibing with a certain task, as the kids say, and I want to get that done and I'm enjoying that, I try to honor that and do that. I also think it's really important to take breaks. Um, when I was working in the corporate world and, you know, it was 40 hours a week in a in a tower um, and in a sad little cubicle, it was all about getting outside. Like we didn't, I didn't do lunch. I would go and like actually walk. I would heat my lunch at my desk um, when, when people weren't looking. And of course, you know, everybody have snacks and stuff like that. But I would take that lunch break to really make sure that I was outside in the sunshine walking for at least 45 minutes. And now I really proactively try to do that too. So it's task, workout. So that's why I don't work out first thing in the morning. Um, it's task workout, you know, it's usually a kid task, kid task. I get sit down and I get this done and then I go to another kid task and then I put my kid down for a nap and then I'm, you know, so I'm going out for a walk or I try to intentionally go walk around the block in the sun so that I can give my eyes a break, give my brain a break and just kind of like renew my motivation. Uh, the last thing here is from Eileen and Leanne. Eileen wants to know about kid nutrition and prepping for successful lunches and meals. What are favorite snacks? And then Leanne wants to know about easy breakfast on the go ideas uh, for a new (laughs) position at work. Sorry, Noelle, in my notes, it says number three, kids, comma, nope, period. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I think, wait, (laughs) you have Um, separate notes? Oh, yeah, I keep them in a separate document. Oh, I because I don't want our awesome. document to get cluttered. And, well, I didn't know you prepared. I guess I can I tell. <laughs> and I don't like I don't like uh, I don't like seeing your notes. Sometimes I'll skim them, but I'm like seeing your notes because it like because uh, it because you steal my stuff. Because I, I don't want to steal your stuff. <laughs> Just kidding. I want to. I want to. I want to come. I want to approach the uh, questions. The questions. Fresh. Sure. So, but it's anyway, also yeah. a discussion where we both t- generally are talking about the exact same thing. So it's. Right. But, but I, I, yes, I want to, yes. I want to say them in, in a way that I would and not anyway. And I don't anyway, but yes. so kids, <laughs> kids, <laughs> nope. kids, nutrition and lunch. I, okay. So I think that I have a lot of snack and lunch ideas and stuff like that. My kids, this may be not super kosher, but my kids eat a lot of small things throughout the day. We, I don't force my kids to sit down and have a lunch where I've made them this like beautiful lunch. I, now that my kid is in camp over the summer, she is eating lunch at s- school. And one of the things that I have always loved to do for my kids is do a lot of different variety of fruits and vegetables and then make sure that I get some sort of cheese in there because they love cheese. We do well. They do great with grass-fed cheese. So I'll cut up some grass-fed cheese. And then I will have some sort of cracker or puff. So there's a company called lesser evil they make cassava puffs kids love those simple mills almond crackers folks they have so many different crackers now they actually have some that like don't have any nut flowers they're made from cassava flour 
So Simple Mills crackers and cheese, that's your little protein and your hit of like fun cracker, carb, whatever. And then I just fill up with a bunch of fruits. So I slice up strawberries and grapes, that's in one section. Uh, I slice up some apple, that's in another. And the child who never ate a veggie is now eating veggies in her lunch at camp because I drizzle them with peanut butter. I try to be intentional with, and I, I can go for months without them eating peanut butter, and I'm like, crap, they need to eat peanut butter because I don't want them, you know, just for allergy purposes, small incremental exposures is important. So I tend to put just a little bit of peanut butter on her um, carrots, and she eats all of it. That is what we've done for years. I don't really feel the need to vary from that. Now, when we're talking about varying and the snacks and stuff like that, midday, my kids always eat a bar. Y'all know me, living the bar life. Um, Trader Joe's makes these dried fruit bars. There is an organic mango dried fruit bar that my kids love, and they have every morning at like whatever, 11 o'clock or something. And they still have squeeze pouches. So Peter Rabbit squeeze pouches. I love, and that's like a bunch of just fruit and vegetables. I love uh, freeze-dried fruit. So we tend to get the freeze-dried banana slices and mango from Trader Joe's. I'll get the freeze-dried strawberries from, I don't know what that brand name is, but it starts with an N, nature, something. I don't know. I, I can, it's all, I do have like a saved story in on my Instagram that's all about kids eats. And then what's another thing? Serenity Kids has some amazing food pouches and cassava puffs. Mav eats those before his nap time because he just kind of likes munching on something while we're rocking together and snuggling. He still falls asleep on me. He's two and a half. I mean, he'll just pass out. He's so tired because um, he's just so active. And so I just like having a little something for him to snack on before he passes out. And then let's see if there's anything else. I do do Yum Earth. You know, I just did an episode with um, a registered dietitian all about intuitive eating for kids. And I do intentionally let them have Yum Earth lollipops. Maybe they'll pick out one a day or uh, Yum Earth fruit snacks. We take those to church because the kids there eat fruit snacks. And so my kids get fruit snacks. I want them to be able to be exposed to candy and sweets and enjoy that. You know, it's the healthier version, but I like, I again, with the concept of mental and emotional health being a big part of physical health, um... I don't want my kids to never know what a lollipop tastes like. And they we uh, we enjoy that aspect of, you know, just having a lollipop while we're walking or a popsicle. We do a lot of popsicles. Those good pops makes 100% fruit juice, push up little popsicles. And my kids are running around like crazy for hours out in the heat and we'll do a popsicle. Um, there's a lot that you can just sub in for snacks, but for lunchtime, I just like to kind of keep it fruit, uh, some veggies with a little bit of peanut butter and then a cracker or a puff or even, you know, Siete Foods makes the best potato chips. I haven't given them potato chips in their lunch, but I'll definitely, I will be eating them for lunch along with whatever, you know, meat or leftover stuff that I'm having for, for lunch. And I always end up handing off a few to my kids. So, I love me some Siete. Y'all know that. I love Simple Mills. Siete makes all grain-free tortilla chips. They make avocado oil potato chips. They make hot sauce. They make uh, tortillas, like actual soft ones, and taco shells. Um, Find a good company and just stick with that. We're just people of, of consistency. What do you do for... Do you eat breakfast now? And what are you doing for like easy on the go stuff? Today I had half a can of chicken with olive oil in it. Huh. Yeah. That was it? Yeah. Well, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go to Starbucks and have a latte and <laughs> like some egg bites or a breakfast sandwich when we're done. Um, <laughs> you in Starbucks? I yeah. saw you post the story of you walking, smelling it, or having your first sip, and you were that like, first "That first sip, sip. so good." It's like, who have you become? I and it's coffee, full caffeine. But... Are yeah. you doing? Wow. Yeah, I yeah. Um, but I but I have to be very careful. I think both because of cortisol and also because of the whole histamine Dow thing that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Um. But it, it really, it explains a lot of what I was experiencing when I drink too much coffee. So yeah, anyway, um, I do love coffee, 
um, I just have to be careful, you know, which is fine. Self-awareness and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, uh, I don't, uh, I'm not into the whole idea that like, I, I don't understand breakfast foods as a category. It's one of those things that I just like, I don't understand like mm-hmm. period, you know? Um, I mean, I, I can't understand because we're told that whatever we've always been a culture where breakfast foods have to be like kind of soft, you know, there's like a sweetness to them and a softness to them, but I don't know. I do food. So, um, uh, leftovers, huge fan of leftovers. I don't know what the environment is in which you're, you're eating. Um, like while you're training, if you're on the move, if you're sitting at your desk, if there will be people around, like, you know, what kind of things you can bring, but you can always have leftovers for lunch. Um, snack type things, a huge fan of beef sticks, <laughs> canned meats as evidenced by my breakfast this morning, hard boiled eggs. Um, I will go and get a little, uh, and now I'm in Trader Joe's Star- There's I'm staying in a place right now where there's a Starbucks and a Trader Joe's like a two minute walk. And so anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, Trader Joe's, you know, I'll go, I'll go get like a little, um, like egg salad or curry chicken salad or something like that. You know, you can go mm-hmm. get a little thing. Um, and then uh, also smoothies are an option uh, Yeah, with like collagen peptides or protein um, and any kind of nut butter, fruit juice, like go wild. You know, there's so many options out there. So I'll just, I'm not going to give you, not going to tell you which smoothies to make, but there's a lot out there. So yeah. Meal prep, folks. This is where meal prep is so important. I think if any meal is, is good for meal prep, it's breakfast. So you got to just cook some hard boiled eggs. You can peel them the night before, peel them before you go to work. If you're not hungry yet, just take like two with you and some fruit. Chop up like so you're not like eating an apple at work and that can get messy cut an apple and then chop it up into slices so that you can just eat those slices. So if you have a couple eggs and some fruit, you're good to go. I also love Food for Life. They make sprouted breads, uh, both gluten and gluten-free, and we do toast like that in the morning. So if you can toast a piece of bread and put some coconut oil and salt on it and put it in a little silicone pouch, have your hard-boiled eggs. You could even grab an avocado and just make sure you have a knife with you or, uh, you know, so you can open it, open it, have some cut-up apple. That's your breakfast. <laughs> avocado toast, some eggs. And um, especially if you're working out in the morning and you need to have, like, a sufficient breakfast at your desk, I think a lot of places... I don't know. I don't know the corporate world anymore, but I do know that some places are okay with you actually eating at your desk. And especially if you have your own office, that should be fairly typical and normal if you don't have time to like eat before work. But I am a big fan of eating in a parasympathetic state and not eating in the car while you're commuting and not eating while you're stressed out and dealing with work stuff. So if you can wake up five to 10 minutes earlier, sit down and have a meal so that you're not eating rushed, you got to do that. So that I have a couple recipes. I have a breakfast skillet that I recently uh, published, and I can link to this in the show notes, but it is a mixture. It's great for people who don't want to do eggs because you can exclude eggs from it. But it's a skillet that has is basically bacon and a whole bunch of like fresh fresh vegetables um, and then fried cauliflower rice. So you fry it all up in a huge skillet, broccoli, fried cauliflower or cauliflower rice, um, bacon. You could even throw some sausages in there if you want to. And then you could hard boil your eggs separately. And then you section it out into smaller containers and have those set out in the fridge so that you can grab and go with that. And if you have a microwave, you can just throw it in the microwave. Like I love the stasher silicone pouches. That's what I typically like when I have to work at church and I have to be there at 715 and I'm doing stuff for five hours straight and I know I do not eat at 715. This is not happening. I have to eat my time where my stomach gets hungry is like nine. And if I 930, maybe if I eat before that, it's like my digestion is completely off. So I get needing to wait. So just we I always throw some stuff in a stasher bag, whether it's like the piece of toast and a couple fried eggs because my husband cooks the eggs in the morning. But if he didn't, we would do he just gets up early and fries a bunch of eggs for all of us. But if he didn't, we would just do hard boiled eggs. And um, just like I take an avocado with me and then I kind of just like cut it open there with a spoon. Uh And it's not always like, you know, take a napkin. It's fine. But um, that is just, you know, I'm a person of habit. I've been doing that for years. And I think that eggs are really great and nutrient dense and get some good high quality eggs and use breakfast as an opportunity 
to get your nutrients from your egg yolks. I do know that I, I think in our book we have a couple other recipes that are like fried not fried egg cups like where you make actually whisk eggs and you can put spinach and stuff in them and you make these little you know muffin egg muffin cups those are great for meal prep as well um and then smoothies yeah if you can just get up throw a bunch of stuff get up five minutes early throw a bunch of stuff in a blender and actually take it in a you know vacuum sealed thing so that it stays cold and then have a have a straw with you or something that makes it easier to consume that's going to be great as well and we have some smoothie recipes in our book that are packed with fruit and coconut milk and you know nut butter whatever so that you're getting a hit a good hit of fat as well that's what i got anything else from you nope all right. Uh, good catching up with you guys. We love hanging out with you. For more from me, you can go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. I am Coconuts and Kettlebells on Instagram. For more from Stephanie, Stephanie at Stephanie.Ruper on Instagram. Check out all her outfits. Her new uh, <laughs> home decorating habit. Uh, she will know who Chip and Joanna Gaines are soon, believe me. And um, <laughs> and uh, dancing and new dancing outfits. I've been enjoying that, Stephanie. I'm like, ooh, what's she wearing tonight? So uh, follow her at stephanie.ripper. And thanks, guys, so much for being here. We will talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>